Hi, hello. Here's a message from Scripture from Matthew 10 uh, regarding how Jesus taught his disciples, what he taught them uh, when he sent them out on their missionary journey uh, apart from him, uh, winning souls to him. Uh, he tells them of what they will be facing, and it also applies to us today and what we will be facing in the time of the end. I'm going to begin reading in uh, Matthew 10, 16, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now, this speaking in the Spirit is not simply a, a speaking from intuition or feeling. It is a proclaiming of the message, a sharing of the message of Christ and Him crucified, the word of the cross, because that is what would be committed to them after Calvary. They would speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit. He would empower their words. He would bring to remembrance everything that He had said. So that what they share in the councils, what they share in their witness and their testimony, is the Word of God. And we have that Word recorded for us, written for us, in the Bible. The Bible is as fully inspired and authoritative as when Christ was speaking directly to His disciples. Uh, the hallmark of mission, work, and service is the proclamation, the teaching, whether it's in counseling or public declaration of the Word of God. And the Word is the Word that was made flesh to dwell among us, Jesus Christ. And this Word is grounded, rooted in the message of the cross. You can read that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. Um, and there is a danger that if we are not following the counsel of Christ, we will misrepresent His Word and His teaching and His doctrine. Uh, Isaiah 8.20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, there is no light in them. The Lord would bring back uh, to our remembrance, and will bring back to our remembrance, His teachings. Uh, he would have us worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that is what we will testify to, no matter what circumstances we're brought towards. Uh, verse 21, Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. This is quite common today. Uh, for example, uh, in Islam, in the Muslim faith, uh, those who embrace Christianity are often alienated in their families, uh, as well as in other religions. Uh, it's not uncommon to hear of fathers putting their children to death. Um, because if they convert, if they convert from uh, the Muslim faith to Christianity, that is counted as a great apostasy, a great shame uh, upon the whole family, upon the whole collective. Uh, 
Um, and uh, for Christ's sake, many have laid down their lives. I use the Muslim uh, experience as an example. It's not the case with all Muslims, of course, but it is something that we hear reported, and it's all too common um, for those who accept Christ, no matter what their former religious persuasion is, to suffer persecution. Verse 22, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he is like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. We live as children of light in a world of darkness, and God promises that our light will shine through the power of his Spirit and the power of his Word. His Word is a light unto our path, the psalmist says. We've hid our hid his word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. Uh, we will be sustained by God when the powers of darkness come against us, when we are even called devilish for teaching the truth as it is in Christ. What happened to Jesus will happen to us. We will all experience the blessings of ministry as well as being crucified with Christ, that we might live with him. Verse 27, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and you will hear, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Now remember, we do this with tact, with skill, being wise as serpents and harmless as doves, he said in the beginning. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's a great subject here of uh, what is the meaning of the soul. The soul in Scripture is the whole person. Not, it's not that I have a soul, it's that I am a soul. And there is a distinction between body and spirit. When we die, the spirit goes back to God who gave it. We are no longer conscious in death. The breath of God that gives us life returns to God, and He preserves our personality, our character. But we are not conscious. We are asleep in death. And uh, that's, uh, again, uh, another subject of Scripture that I won't go more into detail here. But I'll simply say that um, also regarding hell, uh, many believe in eternally burning hell and eternal punishment. Uh, for me, as my understanding of Scripture, the eternal nature of hell is not its longevity, but its nature. It will eternally destroy those who have opposed God. It will forever destroy them. They will be no more. Uh, Malachi says they will be like ashes under our feet. Uh, God is not going to burn people for eternity in hell. What kind of God would that be? It's not consistent at all with the biblical view of his character. And no amount of eternal punishment would ever atone for a person's sin. What's the point? Christ has atoned for our sins by his blood. There is no other atonement. 
no amount of works or suffering will ever atone for what we have done wrong. The purpose of God is to bring punishment upon those who have done evil. They will be punished eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. They will suffer what they have caused others to suffer. That is justice. And when that suffering is done, they will die. And it will be, there will be fires of hell that cleanse this earth. We read that in Revelation 20. The smoke of their torment, it says, ascends up forever and ever. It doesn't mean that they're burning as fuel forever and ever. It means that there is no change in their destiny. They are destroyed forever and ever. It's a metaphor. Uh, anyway, just a, a light on God's word regarding the many misunderstandings that there are today. Are not two, verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, am I, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Um, what an important verse that is, that we want the favor of Christ in confessing him, in being loyal to him. And if we deny him, he will deny us before the Father. There is only life in his name. The denial before the Father is that they do not know me. Uh, this is what Jesus will say in the courts above. They profess to know me, um, but their works say that they do not. They do not honor me in their lives and in their testimony. Verse 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, what can that mean? Because Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. There is great peace and great grace in the gospel, in the story of salvation, in the message of the cross. The division doesn't come because Christ is creating division with intent. Uh, apart from the fact that he proclaims the law of God. Uh, Christ is righteous and holy in his love. And when that righteousness, that holiness, meets up with pride, vanity, rebellion against God, even it, when it meets up with religious people who think they're doing God's will, as it was with the Pharisees who crucified Christ, there will be divisions. The divisive factor is Satan himself, who is warring against Christ, and Christ wars against him with the sword of his spirit, which is the word of God. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. This has been true down through history, as I said earlier, with the coming of Christ into the heart. Uh, means that the disciple is filled with the living Word of God, and we begin to study our Bibles, we begin to sink uh, the shaft 
deeply into the mine of truth, digging as we would for gold, for precious stones. Not all truth is readily on the surface. Um, we have to labor for it and dig for it, and that produces character, that produces endurance, that strengthens our love for Christ, when after labor in the Word of God, we find uh, more glorious truth about Him. Those who love Him, above all else, will be led often into conflict with family members who do not. There may be family members who profess to love God, to love His Word, but they're not grounded in it. The Word of God is not everything to them. They follow feeling rather than faith. And that is the great test in so much of religion, is our religious experience, an experience of faith in the Word of God, being sanctified by the Word. As Jesus says, sanctify them with your Word. Your Word is truth, John seventeen seventeen. Uh, there are many who forsake Christ because of the conflict that he brings into their lives. They interpret being a peacemaker after the manner of Christ, meaning that they compromise principle. They compromise their faith in order to get along uh, with those who have really become their idols, their family, their friends, their activities. They idolize because their needs, their need to feel good, to feel safe, to feel secure, is not met by God, but is met by others. And when the conflict between the truth of what God's Word says and the truth of what others are telling us, which in fact is a lie often, then we're brought into conflict. Um, hatred develops, uh, not in the Christian heart, but in the heart of those who are offended by the Word of God. The great offense of the cross is this exclusive claim that we're only saved by Christ and Him crucified. It's the message of a blood atonement that offends pride, that says your works will not secure heaven for you. Your good deeds will not earn you the favor of God, although He wants you to do them. He wants you to be loving and kind. He wants you to fulfill the law. But you can't do it in your own strength. You have to have the righteousness of Christ that comes through faith, which gives you the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and which covers your terrible past record of sins. There is no other way of salvation. And when we proclaim that salvation, pride is offended in those who resist the cross. And here is the essence of the cross. Verse 39, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. As Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The indwelling Christ is Christ and him crucified and resurrected. If we're united with him in a death like his, we'll be united with him in a life like his. It is union with Christ and him crucified that produces this great conflict in the world uh, with good and evil. And the gospel, this gospel of Christ's atoning blood, is the power of God unto salvation. That's what we're called to proclaim. Romans 1, 16 and 17. There is no other power of God for salvation. It's in the word of the cross, the living word. When we preach the truth about Christ, the Holy Spirit, shoots this truth into open hearts like an arrow. 
And for those who resist, who will not have it, they're crushed under the weight of a heavy stone. The truth. They cannot withstand it in the end. God himself, working in Christ, defines reality. Reality is Christ crucified, resurrected, coming again. Only in Christ do we overcome sin and death. What is the purpose and meaning of life? To glorify God, the reality of his kingdom. And that is all defined by his word, not by feeling, not by religious feeling of experience. Those are important, but those come after, after repentance, after confession of sin, after exercising, putting our full faith in Christ, comes that joy and exhilaration of peace and grace with God. But that is not the foundation. Feeling is not the foundation. Faith is the foundation. Faith in Christ is the foundation. And then come the feelings. And they will go, come and go. Faith is what sustains us and keeps us. Verse 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. I'm preaching and teaching to you the word of God, and I hope you receive it as such and that we will experience these words, these rewards uh, that God has for us when we receive his truth into our heart, when we receive those who come to us with the truth as I'm coming to you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Um, sink, sink deep into the word of God. Read the word of God daily. Pray for his light. And as you read it, compare Scripture with Scripture. Have a good reference Bible with some good um, uh, reference notes. Not notes so much, explanations, but just other Scriptures in a reference Bible, chain reference. And compare Scripture with Scripture. Gather together a dozen texts on the subject or more. Um, do your word studies uh, and see all of this truth in the larger context of Scripture, the whole canon of Scripture, all of the books of the Bible. See what it all says about faith. See what it all says about the law of God, about love, about righteousness, about the character of God. Compare Scripture with Scripture. Put the pieces of the puzzle together. Fill out the story, the narrative. And it's never ending. It grows and grows and grows. As our knowledge of God grows, our hunger for God grows, our love for Him grows. And we learn more and more about Him. Heaven is a ceaseless approaching unto God, said one writer. And inasmuch as we approach God now, heaven begins now. We can live in that atmosphere. We can breathe in, drink in, just like we do the air, the very atmosphere of His grace. And that is coming to us through the Word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, said Jesus, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. God bless you. Take care.